All right. Earlier this week, we had Toronto Star investigative reporter Kevin Donovan on the show, and he was speaking about an article that he wrote, an investigation into how the COVID-19 testing backlog was finally cleared. It's been extremely problematic and frustrating for lab workers all over uh, the country and especially here in Ontario. He started at the beginning of the story when he said experts saw the signs that Ontario public labs would need help processing tests here to talk about it at the center of the testing. Dr. Vanessa Allen is Chief of Medical Microbiology at the Public Health Ontario. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Kelly. Thanks for being here. So you sounded the alarm at the end of February by sending out an email to people that you knew uh, asking if there's anybody else who has the capacity to do testing or is willing to do testing. And at the time, Ontario only had 11 confirmed cases and they've tested about 1,000 at this point. Were you uh, basing this call for help on what you were seeing in places like Italy or other uh, global hotspots? Yes, it was that. And it was also, we have quite a robust uh, relationship between all of the clinical labs throughout the province. And so, you know, we were already meeting in early to mid-February to discuss how we can help each other to respond to this. Um, Just so that people are aware, the the type of testing that's required for COVID is quite manual and quite complex and requires a considerable amount of expertise. And the ability for any lab to do the volumes that we knew we would need need uh, is not feasible. So, um, for example, Public Health Ontario can now do 3,000 tests, but what we are uh, currently able to do as a system is 14,000 tests and increasing. So we knew, as not just myself, but as a, as a community of laboratorians, um, that in order to make sure that we had the capacity, that it was really the need to work as a system. And I think what's happened over the last couple of weeks that have increased that capacity is really with the help of Ontario Health and all of these labs um, and the province really to make sure that we um, formalize that system so that we can deliver the test that the province needs. I was just speaking with Dr. Fisher, who uh, is responsible for the uh, portable ventilator, which the which the feds just ordered. And he was talking about how, um, you know, a pandemic, another one is inevitable. So with the knowledge that we've already gathered because of our backlog of tests, I mean, it wasn't I'm sure it was incredibly unpleasant and frustrating for you being at the head of uh, Public Health Ontario to know that we had such a backlog and to see it coming from the onset. How could this have been avoided? And have we learned, uh, you know, and put something in place so that when the next pandemic hits, we're ready to go? Thank you very much for that. So I think um, I think it really is the formalization of this network. So testing is not just putting the test on a machine and then and then getting the result. You need to get the sample to the lab efficiently. You need to make sure that that sample is tracked in an appropriate way, and you need to report it to the people that need to know, so the clinicians and the health unit, and ultimately via that to the individual. Um, and so what was happening before is if it came just to Public Health Ontario, uh, as opposed to going directly to the lab where there was capacity um, and all of that infrastructure. It was slowed down in terms of getting people the results. So what has been helpful over the last two weeks is really to make sure that there's a formal system of transportation, of reporting, and all of the infrastructure that's around it that leverages the highly expert laboratorians across the province. After private labs answered the call for help, I'm just curious if you can give us insight into what they what hoops they have to jump through when they agree to help test. I mean, does the process um, have to uh, 
do they have to stop testing other for other tests because the equipment has to be recalibrated for COVID-19 specifically? How does that work? Yeah, I, I can't speak to the private labs directly, but I think, you know, they have the expertise to do molecular testing and, and the whole even um, even as early as, as, or not as early, but in, in late February, basically the plan in this informal network was to give them quality control material to expedite their license for this testing, to support them in any troubleshooting of developing that, you know, making sure that the test is working in their setting. Um, and so that was already ongoing, um, but it's, it's a complex test. Usually, you know, for this kind of kind of test, it takes months to roll it up. And so it was really, mm -hmm. how do we help each other um, to make sure that, that it's the high quality test that everybody deserves and, and leveraging the expertise at the private labs and the hospital labs to make sure that that happens. And it's a real community of practice to make sure that we can deliver that way. Without getting too technical, because I don't know that uh, I'll be able to process what you're throwing out here. Um, how do you speed up that process? I, well, people have been working 24-7 to do it. And again, it was really making sure that we shared information in a very rapid way to do that. But, you know, a lot of studies have to be done on a test before we're willing to offer it to, to an individual or the population. And so it was really putting all hands on deck to do that. According to the Toronto Star, um, this, this just was out today. Ontario is using less than a quarter of its capacity to test for COVID-19. The province has the capacity to currently complete 13,000 tests per day. And according to the health minister, uh, the testing labs have uh, processed tests for fewer than 4,000 patients a day since Sunday. Why is that? Yeah, I think right now we're, there's been very, very active work at the same time that we were working on reducing the backlog. And it's really to make sure that testing goes to the places where it makes the most difference. Um, while 14,000 or 13,000 tests a day sounds like a lot, it actually is not a lot in terms of the population. And the focus is really on testing those that are most vulnerable. So individuals in long-term care facilities, healthcare workers, nurses. Um, and it's focused on people with symptoms because that's where the test performs the best um, in terms of making sure that people know if they're infected or not. Um, so it's really to make sure that our healthcare system is robust, that institutions can get through this in the safest way possible. Um, and again, those that are most frail and in need of this testing um, get the testing. This is a very active area of work. And what we want to make sure is that we get the tests out robustly. And so that so to get those numbers up very quickly so that we can meet that capacity and, and as we build it further. Um, but what we don't want is to be in another situation where, again, we're in a backlog situation. The other part is testing is one part of the whole public health response. And again, it's asking people who are otherwise well if they have symptoms of respiratory infection. For most people, the safest thing is not to go have access to a healthcare system, but in fact to be, be at home and practice physical distancing and and self-isolation you know we we know that long-term care homes are at most risk right now um they are incredibly vulnerable and they're trying to close you know the ring down put this iron ring around our long-term care homes um in order to make sure that they keep COVID 19 out although it, it keeps getting in we keep getting outbreaks um, when you talk about the vulnerable people we're trying to test first, you also mentioned trying to test the people with symptoms. 
is there a flaw with the test? You know, because you said that it performs best on people that are symptomatic when it comes to testing people that are asymptomatic. Where is that problematic? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, if I was exposed to COVID, for example, um, and I was going to develop symptoms, if you tested me one day after I was exposed and you took a sample, it's going to be negative. And that's false reassurance um, because I could still develop COVID several days later. So it's very important that people understand that in the absence of symptoms, a negative does not clear a person and so is actually not that helpful. Um, there may be select scenarios where that's helpful, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't have the same meaning as when you test someone who's symptomatic because if you test someone when they're symptomatic and it's negative, you know it's not COVID. That's a huge dilemma because it almost sounds like you're saying it's it's almost, and I know you're not going here, but uh, just follow along with me for a second. It's, it's, a, it's a weird way to look at this. It's almost better if you had um, less severe symptoms, you tested positive and you've gone through COVID rather than being asymptomatic because you have this false sense of security if you're asymptomatic that you probably don't have it and you could spread it easier than someone that had COVID They've gone through it, and now they probably have the antibodies. Yeah, Is that a flawed way to look at it? Because, I mean, it just seems like this is complicated. I think it's a great point. I think what we want to ensure is that people don't, um, that they understand what the test means when it's used. Um, And I think everybody does, but it's just to reinforce that, again, where we want these tests is where we can use them, where they can have actionable results and protect our healthcare system and the vulnerable populations. A Um, lot of, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, a lot of people have been self-isolating on the advice of Telehealth Ontario, and they presume that they're COVID-19 positive, but we had limited amount of tests and a backlog, so they weren't being right. tested. Should we be testing these people to find out if they've had it so that we can reintegrate them into the workforce safely? That's a great question. Um, so we are currently collaborating with a lot of other labs to um, develop serological tests to figure out whether people have been exposed. Um, there are no Health Canada approved kits right now, but that is a very active piece of work so that we can get more tools to understand who has been infected and how we can continue to respond to this pandemic in a way that protects everyone in the community. I think a lot of us are focusing on our frontline healthcare workers in hospital dealing with COVID patients. Can you speak to the uh, essential workers that are working in labs, testing day after day? Can you talk to uh, how much of a toll this is taking on them and how important it is that we self-isolate so that you guys, you can continue doing tests and, uh, and keep us safe? Thank you so much for that. I think, you know, the laboratorians that I work more directly with have really been heroic in their efforts, but it's just one example of so many essential workers that have have really risen to the challenge in a way that that is humbling to me and, and certainly so critical to the response. So I think we do need to make sure that we take care of the people that are doing this essential work so that we can get through the next few months. Doctor, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I know that it is definitely uh, in great demand. And I, I think what you've told us is uh, very important and, and extremely enlightening because it's been it must be frustrating for you to have all of these people judging what's going on in the labs. Uh, why, why, why the backlog? Why the wait time for my test results? Um, it's, it's been illuminating to hear the reasons why. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.